going to continue on in our, our study of James. Uh, we left off in the middle of chapter 2, so that's where we will pick up last week. Uh, at the end, we, we spent a lot of time talking about prejudice and that sort of thing, and at the end, we ended up with, um, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated, which is a good way to live. Um, so this, this section, um, James... He's going to use two very different uh, examples of faith, uh, Abraham and Rahab, which are about as far apart as you can get um, in terms of holiness and separation and doing the right thing or whatever. But Abraham was the father of their nation, and Rahab was a prostitute who ran a, a house and who saved the spies. So they're pretty... Not two people you normally put together in a comparison, but here we are. So, what uh, James teaches that just having good doctrine isn't enough. It's not just enough to know everything, to know why and the ins and outs of everything. You know, if we, all we have is knowledge, all we have is good teaching, good doctrine, whatever, we're, and we don't have anything else, that's, our faith will be dead. We're not going to do anything. We need everything. We need um, everything together. It's not just, you know, having good doctrine is not enough. We need to act upon what we we know. So we're going to pick up in James chapter 2, verse 14 uh, to 17. We'll read that. And it says, What doth the prophet, my brethren, again, if you remember James mentions this a lot, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. So he says, if you, if somebody comes to you and they're hungry and you say, Hey, God bless you. Have fun. He didn't do anything. <laughs> he didn't do anything to help them. So he asked the rhetorical question. He says, what does, what does a prophet, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? So he asked this rhetorical question. He's obviously not expecting an answer because it's in a letter. You know, they're not answering them right, you know, right away. But he asks them this question to get them thinking. He says, can faith save without works? You know, can we separate the two? And there's a lot of people who see this as a, a contradiction of what Paul teaches. Paul emphasizes salvation by grace through faith, not by works. That's a lot of what Paul teaches in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. Paul says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So Paul's saying, you're not saved by works, and James is saying, you are. So... What does that mean? Paul says it again in Romans 4, Romans 9, Romans 11, Galatians 2, Galatians 3, 2 Timothy 1, Titus 3, Hebrews 4. He says it a lot of times. But how, you know, you can't save yourself by, by your works. And obviously we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And if we don't, I don't know what we're doing here. But that's what we believe. And... We know that the Bible has no contradictions. God's not going to contradict himself. Amen. And 
even though sometimes it appears like that on the surface. So we have to dig a little deeper and figure out you know, what each guy is talking about and um, see how it all fits together perfectly, because it all fits together. And we need to look at the context. And sometimes, I know this may blow your minds, but sometimes words have multiple meanings. If I say the word gay, there are several meanings that come to mind. There's a lot of words, that's the first one that came to mind, so forgive me. But there are a lot of words that have multiple, multiple meanings. And that's how language works. And Paul, <laughs> I don't know how we come back from this. And Paul, Paul used the word works as a negative type of thing to describe uh, an activity that's being done not because of faith but in a way to earn favor with God or to earn salvation so when Paul talks about works that's what he's he's talking about you know you're trying to do something to earn something from God in Romans 9 and 32 Paul says why not because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him they stumbled over the great rock on their path. Sorry, that was a new King James. And King James says, Wherefore, because they, are sought, they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. So they were trying to get right with God by following the law. They were trying to earn their salvation by, by doing a list of things. The New Living, again, it says, Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God. This is the same thing I already read, so forgive me. <laughs> by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. They stumbled over the great rock on their path. Sorry, I got them all mixed up there. Forgive me. But basically, you know, they were trying to do, trying to earn salvation with God, and because they tried to do that, they were end up stumbling over it. You know, the rock was in their path. So when Paul talks about works, that's what he's talking about. Somebody that's trying to earn something with God, somebody that's trying to, I don't know, pay off something so God owes you. You know, if I do this, and then God's going to bless me. If I come to church for 40 years, I'm going to be saved just because I, I did something. That's not, that's not how it works. And James uses the word works as a natural result of true faith in God. So when James talks about works, it's talk, he's talking about us you know, responding to, to the faith we have. Not doing it, trying to get something, but doing it because um, we have faith. So in both of these, sorry, both of these instances, um, the heart is the main issue. And when James is talking, we, we have faith, and because we have faith and we believe in our, in our heart, we believe in Jesus, we believe in his word, then we're going to produce works according to, to what's in our heart. And with Paul, he's saying, you're just leaving the heart out, your heart's not in it, you're just doing it. So God owes you something. And obviously, that's not the right way to go about things. Paul and James, they also use the word faith differently. When Paul talks about faith, he talks about a, a vibrant, active belief in God that dramatically alters one's behavior. Um, you can read through everything Paul wrote. That's what he's talking about. And James, when he talks about faith, it's mostly just a belief, a mental belief in, in God or in a doctrine without any action. So when James talks about faith, it's all up here. 
and his works are the result of that faith. When Paul talks about faith, it's all that together. When he talks about works, it's just trying to earn something. Does that make sense? These two different guys, um, they present their message differently. This is often the case. You know, if you heard other people preach or teach, it doesn't sound like what's happening right now. Some people may use words differently, so that's what happens. So, so James's point is that words are cheap. You can say anything, but if you don't back it up, what you said doesn't really matter. You know, actions speak louder than words, right? You can say, I have faith, but that doesn't mean anything just to say, I have faith, I believe. You know, if we don't back it up, it doesn't mean anything. There needs to be an expression of obedience to God as a result of that faith. It goes along with what Paul says. And faith is dead without actions. If I say I love you and I act otherwise, I love you and then I punch you in the face, I'm sending some mixed messages. Right? You know, I love... Do I really love you if that's how I'm treating you? If I say I love you and then I you know, don't talk to you for seven months? Is that, you know... Do I really? You might, you know, pick up some... Some vibes that maybe that's not the case. So if we say, we, we say something, we need to you know, back it up. So I say I have faith in God. I need to... There needs to be something that I do. You know, I need to pray. I need to worship. I need to... No, live a certain way. So James lists a, a typical situation here in verse 15 and 16. He says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye shall. Or ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? So when he says brother or sister here, he, he's not saying that you don't have to you know, help people outside of your family, outside of the church or anything, but he's saying that the need, we need to take care of each other first. And we need to help our brother and our sister. Because the healthier the church is, the better we can reach the world. You know, the healthier the body is, if the body is healthy, you know, we can do a lot more. If a body isn't healthy, you know, if the body isn't rested or fed or taken care of, it's limited in what it can do. Right. If I don't get enough sleep, I'm cranky the next day, and my children know it. <laughs> I haven't taken it on you guys yet, but maybe someday it'll happen. We'll see. I don't know. But if we don't have enough rest, if we don't have enough food, if we don't, you know, some people, they get hangry. You know, they haven't eaten. They get angry. No, we need to we need to howl this up. We need to be healthy in order to, to work properly. So we need to take care of ourselves. We need to take care of each other, our brothers and our sisters, so that the church is healthy and we can reach and we can you know impact our world. We can still do it if we're not, but it's not going to be as effective. Right? Does that make sense? So we can't be so concerned with what goes on outside the church that we miss the needs inside. We know we know people that are so focused on helping other people and. And doing all this stuff and reaching out to other people that they, they you know, neglect their family or they neglect themselves and they, they burn out or, you know, they end up falling away or whatever. 
It's the same with the family. You can't be so focused on helping everybody else, you know, what's outside that you miss the needs of your own family. So um, when people have needs, James is saying, when people have needs, it's not, words alone are not enough. The, the new, the thing we all say now whenever some tragedy strikes is you know, thoughts and prayers. We say it, we don't pray all the time, we just say it. And what are thoughts, what are my thoughts doing to help you? Nothing. Amen. <laughs> you know, my thoughts aren't doing anything. Well, I'm thinking of you. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> or, you know, we'll say things like, oh, you'll be okay. I'll walk it off. It'll be fine. Whatever. You know, just saying words isn't enough. When people are hurting, words are not enough. When people... You know, are hurting, they need compassion, they need love, they need, they need a hug, they need an arm around them, they need someone praying with them, they need actual things to happen. Words aren't enough sometimes. We need to look for ways to help each other, to lift suffering. The, he said in chapter 1 that pure religion was ministering to the needs of the hurting. So if, if we're not doing that, then we got it wrong. Right? Your brother comes to you, I'm poor, I'm hungry, I'm starving. Yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> you know, it's not, you're not helping them. Right. So then James has a conclusion here to this little thought. He says, verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. So if someone says, I have faith and I believe, but they don't act on it, then their faith is, is dead. Like a spirit brings us, like the spirit brings us to life, like our spirit is what, you know, what our life is. Works bring faith to life. Someone with faith doesn't need to be going around yelling at everybody, hey, I got faith, look at me, I believe, I got faith. Woo, got a bumper sticker that says, I got faith. And everything, yeah, I got faith. You know, people should be able to tell that you have it without you screaming it in their face. There should be some actions that, that you live by that show people that you have faith. So faith without works is dead, according to James. So he presents another argument here in verse 18 to, nine, or to 20. It says, Yea, man, may say thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? The New King James, verse 18, says, But someone will say, Ye have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So people try to make a difference, or a different, you know, separate the two. But ultimately, these two go together. You can say, I have faith, but if you don't act on it, then you don't. And I can say, or I can do things, you know, Without having faith, but it's, it's not the same. It needs to go together. You, <clears throat> yes. Um, he's talking again about the guy in verse fourteen. It says, "What doth the prophet, my brother? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him?" So he's kind of carrying this this man along for the next part, a little bit here. He says, what does the prophet, my brother, though a man say he has faith and have not works? And he's kind of talking about him again in this verse 18. They kind of go together. He says, can you show faith without works? You can't. Can you show a thought or a belief? Can I show you what I think? Can I show you what I believe? 
I can't. Unless I, I draw you a picture or put words or, I don't know, something, a song, whatever. And there has to be something to get it from here out here. And they can't show a thought, you can't show a belief unless you act on it. So when James says faith, he's talking about what you think and what you believe. And there needs to be some sort of action. And that's where the works come in. They go together. I can show you what I believe by how I live. I can show you what I believe by how I act. I can show you what I believe by the, the choices I make. I can show you my priorities by what I spend my time doing. I can show you what I believe by how I act. He says in verse 19, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. So James, as we know, he's writing to the Jews, and the Jews were very monotheistic, which means they believe in one God, which we also believe. And all the beliefs in the Hebrew belief system were centered on this one thing. It was the most important thing. They pounded it in their kid's head as soon as they were old enough to understand anything, maybe even before. They said it every day, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. They would get up and they would pray that every day. And they would, they, everything they did was based on this one thing. And James brings us up and he says, he's pointing out that all of our faith and belief need action. And he says the devils believe also that there is one God. And they act on that belief. They tremble. There's something that happens because of that belief. Even the devil, even the devils themselves they act on their faith, their belief that there is one God. Even the devil's faith in God results in an action. There's no separation from belief and action. To say you believe without action is, is crazy. The word one in Greek comes from the word heis, which means simply one. Singular one. There's not a compound idea. It's not a plural one like a group or a collection. It's just one, the number one. So the reference, so this reference is to a God who is one by himself, single. So that's what their whole faith is built on. He says the devils also believe that and they react to that. There's an action that comes. Sorry, verse 20, he says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? In the New King James, it says foolish man instead of vain Vain man. So he's still trying to, he's still talking to the same guy from verse 14 and 18. Some, the same person that says you can have faith without works. And there's a, that's an empty claim. It's a, it's a vain claim. It's a foolish claim. You know, it's something that can't be proven. It's a pointless argument to say, you know, I've got faith, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to act on it. And since this guy wanted proof that faith and works go together, that you can't separate them, James. And the next little bit is going to give him two examples from Hebrew history, Abraham and Rahab. It says, he says, faith without action is dead. The word dead literally means dead, useless, or unproductive. Nothing's happening. Amen. <laughs> dead. Faith without works will never produce anything. Nothing will ever happen. So he gives them a biblical argument because the best way to argue is with the Bible. So that's what James does. Verse 21, he says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? 
And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God and was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. So he shows the foolish man that he's been talking to that it's impossible to have faith without works. Abraham, as we said on Sunday, was a hero. He was a legend. He was the top dog, the father of all the, the Hebrew nation. He was the best of the best. So he uses him as an example. They're all familiar with, with Abraham's story. They know the inside. They know it inside out. They know it backwards, whatever. They know every detail. But just in case, they're like, well, Abraham was special. Abraham was a different kind of guy. You know, you can't compare us to Abraham because he's up here and we're just a bunch of whatever. Peasants. Whatever. He uses the Gentile Rahab also. So whether you're Jewish or not, your faith is still shown by works. Whether it's in a response to a word from God, like Abraham was told by God to do a few things and he did it because of his faith, or if it's simply just doing the right thing in the circumstance like Rahab, true faith shows itself some way, somehow. So Abraham, verse 21 again, says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? So no Jew is going to argue with Abraham's example. Because Abraham, you know, he's the big guy. Nobody's going to argue with that. <clears throat> People say that justified by works contradicts Paul again in Romans 4 and 2, where he talks about Abraham and he says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. So here we go again. It seems like James and Paul are just contradicting each other, but... But the Bible's inspired, we know that these don't, and they have to go together. So when Paul talks about faith again, he talks about a genuine trust in God that results in obedience to God's commands. And when James talks about faith, he's talking about a mental or an inter internal belief with no outward evidence. Paul talks about works again, activity trying to gain favor with God, bribe him, he owes you something or whatever. James' works was a result of genuine faith actions that come from being in a good standing relationship with God. So I worship because I love Jesus. I worship because I believe in Him. I worship because I have faith. I don't worship to try to convince Him to do something. I don't worship to try to get Him to do something in my life. Oh God, I, I need this, so I'm going to put the moves on and you're going to do what I want. Or I'm going to, whatever, I'm going to sing this song. I'm going to jump up and down and I expect you to answer because I did that. And that's not how it works. So Paul and James, they're both talking about two different events in Abraham's life. Genesis 15, 5 to 6, it says, And he brought him forth and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars that thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. This is Abraham and God. All Abraham could do at that point in his life was continue living and be obedient and wait. And God said, you're going to have a son. You're going you're to have this mighty nation. You're going to have so many. Your family tree is going to be so big that you can't even count them all. And there's nothing he could do except for wait. There's nothing he could do but believe. 
So God made a promise and Abraham believed it. And God knows if our faith is true, if it's genuine, if it's sincere. But James was talking about the way a believer shows true faith on an ongoing basis through our life. Abraham's obedience showed that the genuineness of his faith that he already had. So when Abraham obeyed, he was, you know, because his faith was there. Abraham didn't offer Isaac to earn favor with God. Abraham offered Isaac because he believed and he had faith in God. Because he had faith already there and he offered him in obedience to that faith. Does this make sense? If someone has true faith, if someone is sincere in their faith, if they have genuine faith, they trust God. And even when there's nothing else to do but trust God. They don't try to do it on their own. They wait and they trust. If God said to do something, they do it. Now, if we put our faith in God, we're not going to argue. We're not going to debate with Him every day. You know, should I do this today? Should I obey this today? We all know Abraham made, you know, he messed up in the middle there. We do, you know, he went a long time, you know, waiting. Some of us can't even go a week sometimes. They're trying to make it happen on our own. You know, should I obey this today? Maybe not. Maybe I will. You know, that's not a good way to live. That, you know, our faith is in the right place. If our trust is in God, no other, we have no other course of action but to obey Him. So if we truly trust Him, we're going to act on that. There's going to be something that happens because of that. And he says, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. So James is still talking to this foolish man. He says the word you is a singular word to take pressure off from the whole group. So he's just talking to a person who thinks that faith and works aren't related, just so you know. So when Abraham offered Isaac, his actions were cooperating with his beliefs. All right? His faith and his actions were working together. Works take faith from just the mental, just in the mind itself, and it takes it and it puts it out there. If you say, I believe in healing, and I have faith, we would act on that. We would pray for somebody that needs healing. But to say, yeah, I believe in healing, someone's like, well, I, I need a healing. You're like, cool. See you later. Do you really believe? Or do you just, maybe you do and you just don't care about them. I don't know, but if you really believe in healing, you'll pray for people to be healed. And you can't say you believe and you don't act on it. If you say, you know, I believe in prayer, but we don't pray. Maybe you don't really believe in it. We say, I believe Jesus is coming back, but we don't live that way, then maybe we don't really believe it. You know, there's got to be something that happens because of what we believe. If Abraham said to God when he, he called him, you know, God called Abraham and told him to leave his, his father's house and go out and where he was going to lead him. And it, you know, if Abraham said to God when he called him, yeah, I believe, sounds good, but didn't go. Did he really believe? We're going to show a lack of faith. If, and if Abraham had offered Isaac without God asking him to, that would have been really awkward, for one. Yeah, I'm going to give you my son as a sacrifice. It'll be fun. I'm going to try to earn some brownie points with God, trying to earn some favor with God. So if he would have done that without God asking him to or leading him to, his works wouldn't have meant anything. 
Genuine faith is dependent on works. And works are dependent on genuine faith. They can't exist without another. They go together. I hope this makes sense. Verse 23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So Abraham obeyed in offering Isaac, and he fulfilled a statement about him having faith. He fulfilled the scripture by having that faith and by offering Isaac. He proved it because Abraham had faith and believed in God. He was willing to do whatever God asked him to do. So the opposite of that is true also. If we aren't willing to obey and do what he asks and go where he calls us to go, can we say that we have faith? If we aren't willing to do it, if Abraham proved his faith by being willing to do what God asked him to do, the opposite's true. If I never do anything, I never step out, can I say I have faith when God's trying to call me? It says it accounted him for righteousness. He was right with God because of his faith in God. And his faith in God is what made him obedient, which was what made him righteous. It's a circle, cycle. It's all connected. And verse 24 says, You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So we're still talking to this guy, a foolish guy from verse 20. And he points out that right standing with God doesn't have to do only with what a person believes, but what you do as a result of that belief. What we do verifies our claim to faith. Amen. Paul agreed that faith results in works. Salvation comes completely by grace through faith. It doesn't come from us. It's a gift from God, so it's free. Salvation is not, is not a reward for religious activity. You know, we're not saved because we followed a list of rules or uh, regulations for such a period of time. That we're saved because of that. We don't attain salvation by doing, jumping through all these hoops. You know, you don't get to heaven by being a good person, being nice, smiling, never getting upset at everyone. You know, we should do those things. That's the result of us being saved, but that's not what makes us saved. And I know we all want everyone to go because we like them. But if we're saved because of how nice or how good we are, we could boast in that. Oh, I earned it because that was so wonderful. And I did all this. And if that was the case, salvation wouldn't be a gift. It would be a reward or a payment for services rendered. Well, I gave this much to the poor, and I did that, and I did the other thing, and I was so nice to this person, even though they were mean to me, so let me in. Let me in, because I did all this. That's not how it works. Salvation isn't a result of something we do, but it's a work of God. And if we're saved, we should act like it. If we're saved, there are things that should happen and change in our lives. The good things and actions should come out of us because we are saved. You know, because we are saved, we should smile at people and be nice to them when they're not nice to us. We should take care of, we should help the poor, we should, we should pray with people. We should do all these things because we should love our neighbors, we should be kind, we should give because we are saved. But we're not saved because we do that. Don't get the cart before the horse, they say. Salvation is the horse and everything else is the cart. Don't put it in front. Or you're not going to go anywhere. 
Ephesians 2 and 8 to 10, Paul says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So Paul says, because you're saved, you should do good works. You're saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And because we are saved, you should do good works. Not the other way. You're not saved because you do. All right. I know we know this, but just clarify. Verse 25 says, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. There's so many people that James could have used as an example. He could have used Moses, you know, who led them out of Egypt. He could have used David with Goliath, Samuel. He could have used Joseph, all the stuff he went through. He could have used Joshua, you know. But he used Rahab. So why did he use Rahab? I mean, Rahab is the complete opposite, basically, from Abraham. Abraham was a patriarch, the father of, father of their nation, and Rahab... She had three strikes against her as far as they were concerned. She was a Gentile, she was a woman, and she was a prostitute. All these things were, I don't know, they didn't like them. But in spite of all that, she had faith in the God of Israel. Your background and your history, your family, whatever, wherever you come from, doesn't disqualify you from having faith. Anyone can have faith and anyone can come to God. No one is too far away, no one is too far gone that you can't turn and have faith and be used by God. Even though she was an unlikely hero, Rahab was used by God. And she had faith in the God of Israel and it showed up in her life by hiding the Hebrew spies when they came to Jericho. And she protected them when the officials came looking to arrest them and get rid of them. Joshua 6 verse 25 says, And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive in her father's household, and all that she had, and she dwelleth in the land in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And Hebrews 11 and 31 says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. So Rahab is kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum. You got Abraham that's celebrated, and you know, he was so great, and then he had Rahab that wasn't even Jewish. Didn't have the greatest occupation people would be proud of. You know, here she is. So James is basically saying, you know, it's like from A to A to Z, or A to Z, however you want to say it. Everyone can have faith. Everyone can act on their faith. Everyone can be saved. Abraham had Abraham had a direct commandment from God to offer Isaac, and Rahab, she had no command to hide the spies. No angels showed up to tell her what to do. She just did. She just did it because it was the right thing to do in the circumstance. And it shows that true and genuine faith not only shows up in doing things because God tells us to, because it's very clear in His Word, or He, he commands us to, or you know we have whatever, but also in doing the right thing on a day-to-day basis. So just do the right thing. There's enough principles, enough examples in the Bible to, to know the right thing to do in just about every situation we find ourselves in. 
We don't need an audible word from God for every little decision every single day. And some people, that's what they think they need to get through their day. The saying is, if you want to hear from God, read the Bible. If you want to hear it audibly, read it out loud. <laughs> he gave us enough stuff. Some people are always expecting God to show up and say something or send an angel or split the skies and tell them whatever. Like, <laughs> but he's given us his word to show us what to do and how to do it. We just need to read it. We just need to obey it. Like Jesus said, we mentioned on Sunday, just do what I say and you'll be okay. Just do it and you'll make it. Just obey it. You'll do the right thing. And God inspired James to write this, this book and, and to use a Abraham and Rahab to cover every possible scenario. As faith results in action, no matter who you are, or where you're from, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Faith is always going to result in actions. Abraham, called out by God, his faith resulted in actions. Rahab, Gentile harlot in the city that they were going to destroy, her faith resulted in actions. The devil, the devils themselves, their faith resulted in an action, trembling. So whoever you are, wherever you are, if you have faith in God, there's going to be some sort of action, or there should be. Amen. Verse 26 says, For as a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Amen. So he ends it, with this dramatic example to show the lifeless, lifelessness of faith without works. So just like a, a human body without a spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. When God made Adam, he breathed life into him. That's when he became a living soul, Genesis 2 and 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And that's how it all happened. And if we take that out, we're dead. That breath, that spirit is what makes us alive. And if the spirit is not present, the human body is not... It's dead. It's not a whole body. And if works aren't present, our faith is dead also. Our faith is not real. Our works aren't there. Does that make sense? Alright, let's all stand. I'm a little early tonight. I hope it was clear. I know I got a little mumbled there in the middle. Let's just pray together.